it's five dollars and six cents. We're not going to tase anybody. It's fine, right? Uh, and so it's around five dollars, right? If you want to spend a thousand dollars, it's fine. If you want to spend two dollars and thirty-nine cents, it's fine too, right? Uh, we just don't want to put anybody pressure to get anything, and um, and we have a good time, amen. Uh, and it's all just to to enjoy uh, each other's company and the fellowship of that, and it's a lot of fun. And so we'll do that on the seventeenth there. Uh, and then the Sunday after that is Christmas Eve, right? And so we'll have church service here uh, Christmas Eve. And uh, we might, uh, I haven't talked to Chris about it, but we might uh, cancel healing school for that Sunday since it's Christmas Eve. But we'll for sure have Sunday morning service here at the church on December the 24th. Amen. Uh, and so, and we all know Jesus wasn't actually born on December the 25th, right? Uh, and... Um, uh, People who study these things, I'm not one of them, but people who study these things say that he was probably born in September. Uh, does it matter? I don't think it matters at all, you know. Uh, it's just a time to, uh, that we gather together and remember what Jesus has done for us in the birth into the earth. Uh, and so Easter is actually a, a lot more accurate because we have the Jewish calendar and it was uh, assigned according to the Jewish calendar of when everything happened at the cross. And so... Uh, that one's pretty accurate there. Uh, and people get a lot of, uh, bent out of shape about a lot of things around Christmas and Easter. And um, there's a lot more important things in the world that, than to be mad because somebody uh, gives a, a wrapped up box uh, at Christmas time. Amen. And a lot more important things to get upset about than a child eating uh, a chocolate candy around Easter. And so uh, let, let's look at the important things. Amen. Uh, and so <clears throat> I think I told you I had somebody spend about 45 minutes an hour telling me how Easter is wrong and we shouldn't do an Easter egg hunt, but they never did come out and just say it. You know, they kind of hem hot around and talked about God and talked about, and, and, you know, and I feel like I'm a fairly intelligent person. I was like, what, what are you talking about? You know, and then finally, it, it, they never said it. I just, I think the, the skies parted and the Lord spoke by revelation because I think he was even exhausted listening to uh, this person speak about it. And he finally said, this is what he's talking about. Like, oh, okay. And if he, he could have just said, you know, you shouldn't have uh, an Easter egg hunt. It's like, okay, we're still going to do it, but okay, you know, that's fine, right? I'm not mad at you, you know, but, uh, uh, and so, uh, but, you know, people, and then they never came back to church after that. Uh, and you wonder, you know, that, that's it? That's the hill you're going to die on is, is candy, right? Because a child enjoys eating candy. You're going you're to leave uh, the church because of candy. Uh, and, and, and you're going to threaten uh, me by your leaving if I don't do what you want me to do. Uh, uh, and, you know, that's a poor way to, uh, to uh, have a conversation with somebody, right? If you don't believe what I believe, I'm going to leave. I'm going to leave your life. That's pretty serious, right? I mean, for something, I mean, it's, it's fine if, you know, well, I don't believe in the blood of Jesus. Okay, that's fine. We should leave and separate ways, right, and not, you know, I'm going to eat candy. Oh, we're not having that, right? I mean, I just, uh, you think about that conversation at the end of time, right? I mean, we always go back to that, but think about that conversation. Gee, you know, did you go to the church I told you to go to? Uh, no, Lord, I, I left because they ate candy. Uh, and the Lord's like, I mean, he may just look at him for like a thousand years, not even say anything, just. Uh, and, you know, after, after about 30 seconds, it's really uncomfortable, right? Not saying anything. Uh, and so. Uh, no doubt he's going to do the same thing to me, you know, he's going to be, because we're going to get judged for everything we do, right? And, and, and we talked about that on Sunday mornings. Um, and so my goal is to minimize those, those awkward times when I stand before the Lord Jesus, amen? And so, 
we'll, we'll do our best to get there, amen? And so I'm not mad at anybody. If they all came back to church, I'd be fine with them, right? Uh, and so, uh, but I'm thinking about, because uh, we had one person say we can't have a steeple, uh, and we can't celebrate birthdays, and we can't do uh, Easter. So I'm thinking about having like a steeple painted with uh, bunnies and, and Easter eggs and a Christmas tree, made a steeple made, maybe made out of a tr- Christmas tree, right? That really cover all the bases there. And um, <laughs> so, you know, uh, see, in my mind, I think that would be really funny, right? And, and, and it wouldn't bother me to do it at all, right? Now, some people would be offended about it, and some people, oh, you shouldn't do that, you know. Uh, <clears throat> you know, Jesus never gave any time to religion, right? He never acknowledged and appreciated religion at all because it, it's always a hindrance to men, right? Uh, he said that you put the traditions of men ahead of, uh, of the doctrine of the Lord, basically is what he's saying. Um, and, and that's true, right? Uh, uh, it's, uh, uh, people pick the, the smallest things in the world uh, and they make the biggest things out of them, right? Uh, and it's like, well, what about the blood of Jesus? Let's talk, you know, we can't agree, agree on a Christmas tree, but let's agree on the blood of Jesus. You want to? Okay, well, that's fine. Uh, and so the Lord is good, amen? Uh, so let's pray and we'll get into the word today. So Father, we do thank you for your word. We thank you, Father, for the wisdom that you've given to us through your word, by your spirit. Father, we depend upon the spirit to teach and to guide and instruct and to grant us revelation. We depend entirely upon him, Father, uh, to be taught of your word. It's not an intellectual exercise, Father. It's a spiritual exercise. So we come to your word, Father, humbly, uh, asking you to teach and to instruct us each and every day. We thank you for these things, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, let's open our Bibles to look at Philippians chapter 4. We'll continue there today. And so uh, we had finished up uh, verse 9 there where it says, Those things which you have heard, both uh, learned and received and heard and seen in me do, and the God of peace shall be with you. Uh, and so and I really, I really like that verse because there's a lot of responsibilities on both sides of this verse, right? There's a responsibility on Paul's side uh, because uh, he, uh, they heard, so he had to be speaking and they saw in him, so he had to be doing. So Paul had to speak and to be seen uh, to live his life in front of them. Uh, and uh, they had the responsibility to learn and receive. Amen? And so sometimes there's a disconnect. You can be teaching the best things in the world. I mean, they, I ain't getting nothing out of it, right? Uh, and I, I told you I had one fellow uh, just get so mad at me because I was teaching on the book of Deuteronomy, uh, and we were teaching about uh, what possessions we should obtain when we get into the promised land. And the promised land is a type and shadow of the life in the New Testament as a spirit-filled Christian. Uh, so specifically after you cross the, the, the boundary of being spirit-filled, here's all the blessings that you can obtain from the Lord. And so it's a type and a shadow. And there's some wonderful things in there that you can learn from that. And I thought, man, this is a great teaching. You know, I enjoyed teaching it. And, and I said, uh, we're all starving to death. That's what he told me. We're starving to death because you're not teaching us anything. And I'm thinking... I know I'm teaching. You may, I may not be receiving, but I'm, I'm doing my part. Amen. And besides that, the word of God is always anointed. I believe that. I could, I could go through all the bagats in, num- in the book of Numbers, and it should be anointed. Uh, now, I'd have to have faith for that, but, you know, if it's in there, it's anointed as far as I'm concerned. And so, uh, but they didn't like the message, whatever reason. I don't know why they didn't like the message. Uh, <clears throat> but uh, and I still, to this day, I don't know why they didn't like the message. But I thought it was a good message. We didn't spend months on it, but we did spend some amount of time on it. Uh, and so there is a, a two, two-way street in every church, right? So I have to do my part, but you have to do your part, amen? And, and if, I'm, if I'm lacking in my part, then there's nothing for you to, to respond because you re- should be responding to what I'm doing, amen? 
but the other part about seeing in me, you know, a, uh, uh, it's, it's just as important for a minister to live right and to be seen that he's living right as it is for him to teach right. Because uh, that's what Paul said, right? Because you not only heard what I taught, but you saw how I lived. Uh, and, uh, and it's been my observation that even in the ministry, you know, in the ministry, since I'm a pastor, I do hang out with a lot of ministers, and, uh, and many of them are wonderful saints of God. Uh, but there, on occasion, you come across uh, a ministry, you know, I don't want to be around this person, right? You get, out and you get outside the church, and they talk kind of, you know, colorful ways that I wouldn't talk or th- say things or go places where I wouldn't go or, you know, treat people in ways that I wouldn't treat them. And, uh, and uh, you know, kind of makes me a little uncomfortable. I don't like being around that. Uh, and so... Paul said uh, it's perfectly fine to, to live uh, that, you know. Now, look, I know if, 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 if every single Christian saw every single thing I did, you know, they'd be like, well, you know, you shouldn't watch so much news or you shouldn't, you know, read, so, you know, you shouldn't read Fox News or, you know, whatever. I mean, there's always going to be somebody, uh, you know, uh, we got around uh, when uh, uh, Jared was in school. There were some of the families in there. Uh, I called them children of the corn because they didn't do anything, right? Uh, you know, if he's, hey, did you watch the game? I don't watch TV, huh? Did you see that movie? Oh, we don't watch movies. I mean, so, I mean, it's like, like we were, you know, it's just a movie, right? It wasn't like, you know, this horrible movie. It was just a movie, right? And, and so, well, I don't think you should go to movies. Okay, fine. Don't go to movies, right? But, uh, you know, th- live your life. That's fine. I don't have a problem with you. Don't want to go to movies. But don't judge me because you don't have book, chapter, and verse about every movie, right? I mean, clearly there are some movies you ought not go see. But, you know, if it's just, I was going to say a Disney movie, but nowadays they're all trying to trans all the children, so you can't hardly watch any Disney movies anymore. But some of the older movies, you know, they were fine. Uh, but even, so, you know, when the kids were growing up, we would, we would watch movies with them and say, now right here, how they treat their parents, that's not right. <clears throat> and so we would help them in those things. But, and look, if you don't ever want to watch movies, that's fine, I don't care, right? It's, 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 you don't have any book, chapter, and verse that says you can't do every single thing in the world, right? Uh, clearly there are boundaries and limits to the things that we can do. Uh, <clears throat> and so, so after a while, you know, you just can't have a conversation with them about anything because... They don't watch football. They don't watch any TV. Uh, they don't. Uh, do you pray and fast every? I mean, what, what do you do in your life, right? Uh, and so uh, maybe they do, right? And that's great. I mean, if they, and and really, I don't have any problem with it. It's it's really when they judge me for anything that I do. You know, it's like I think we're not supposed to be judge each other. And so, um, so you know, uh, I, I don't care if they ask me, hey, do you do that? Well, yeah, I watch a movie every now and then. I watch TV or watch the news or you know, read read the. Uh, read the internet, you know, and, well, you shouldn't do that. Okay, fine. Uh, your opinion noted, right? Um, and so if the Lord doesn't tell me to stop doing it, you know, uh, I, I know when I first got saved uh, that, uh, I know I've told you this before, but uh, the, the lady at Dairy Queen that I used to work with, we called her Aunt B because she was kind of round and short like Aunt B was on, on the TV uh, and kind of had that feisty attitude that Aunt B had. Uh, but she was, uh, I don't ever know what church she was a member of, uh, but you're not allowed to wear shorts around her. And so, you know, I didn't, I had been saved maybe a year, right? Uh, and, um, I mean, we, we'd go out outside half naked anyway. You know, it's just the way, we, you know, it's the way we was raised, right? And, and so uh, I'm a little more modest now than even when I was growing up. And so, but I was wearing shorts one day and, oh, and I went into work to pick up a check. And, oh, you better not see, MB, uh, see you wearing shorts. And I just thought, you know, the, the first time you hear that, it's really odd, right? Because... I mean, you know, everybody knows if you walk through the city naked, okay, there's something wrong with that. You know, you don't really have to be taught that that's wrong. Everybody inherently knows that, right? Uh, but like wearing shorts, 
and I'm not talking, you know, like Richard Simmons kind of shorts. I'm just talking about shorts, right? Uh, and so, you know, there, there's a limit to everything. And we all know what it is, right? We, uh, it, I mean, uh, it, it's, like, uh, it's like one minister said, you know, well, how short is too short? Well, you know it when you see it, right? It's like, okay, that's too short, right? Uh, and so, uh, so she came in, and, and yeah, she, she accosted me. Oh, you can't wear shorts. And it was just really odd to me because... Again, I didn't know anything. I couldn't tell you book, chapter, and verse. And you know, there's actually not a, a verse in the Bible that says, thou shalt not wear shorts, right? It does talk about modest dress. But could you not wear shorts that are modest? I mean, you know, uh, because pants are just long shorts, aren't they? I mean, so where's the limit? I mean, how far, you know, is, is culottes, are those too short, right? Now, I don't know. I mean, I, you know, I don't really care. This is such a, such a waste of energy to even talk about it. But, but she did. She confronted me. And, you know, and, and so, you know, so with all sincerity, I said, well, I said, now what's wrong between wearing short sleeve shirts and short, short pants? I mean, you know, that, that, I think it's a valid question, right? And, and well, it's just wrong. You know, I, I, it, it, the, I came out of the womb where I hate that answer because that tells me nothing. That doesn't help me. It doesn't teach me. It doesn't instruct me. It doesn't give me the basis of, for why you believe what you believe. Tell me why you believe that other than it's wrong. If you don't have book, chapter, verse for it, then it's not wrong. I mean, you know, I'm, obviously there are things that we can look at and it, it violates scriptural principles, even without book, chapter, verse. But if you can't even give me a bi- biblical principle, then you're just making it up, right? Well, I mean, wars are fought that you, you have to have church on Saturday or Sunday. Does the Bible care? Does the Bible instruct you, right? It, one time it talks about the first day of the week they broke bread. But it didn't say that was the only time they did that. They could have done it on the second day of the week and the third day of the week. And as far as we know, they had church every day. So who cares, right? But people will fight you. I mean, you know, just, uh, had somebody tell me they, uh, they had a shirt on. It's about keeping the Sabbath. And brother's Sabbath's on Saturday. And they, they uh, confronted them in Walmart. And then they got mad at them because, you know, well, okay. But, you know, I go to church on Sunday. Well, you're wrong. You know, just... There, there's so many things like that, that, that hills that the church dies on that are irrelevant, you know. Uh, can you wear shorts that are immodest? Absolutely. But, you know, you can wear long pants that are immodest, right? Uh, that, you know, way too tight, you know. Oh, they fit me in high school. Well, they don't fit you now, right? Uh, and so you need to hang them up and burn them, right? Uh, and so, <clears throat> uh, but, you know, you go to different cultures, and it's completely different. I know Chris and I would go out to California on occasion, and in the church, spirit-filled churches, good churches, you know, uh, the, the ladies would walk around in clothes that uh, my wife would never wear, you know. Uh, and, uh, and it was common. I mean, it, it didn't, nobody seemed to think it was a big deal, right? And, and us secluded Tennessee people, you know, we're not quite used to that, uh, that uh, environment. And so uh, does, that, does that make them wrong? I don't think it makes them wrong, you know, that, that in their hearts where they were sincere worshipers of the Lord. Uh, and so am I going to be the, the dress code person, you know? Uh, there's so many more important things in the Lord, amen? Uh, and I did, uh, did uh, confront one of the youth one time at church because she had this shirt on that was just, had a very suggestive message on it. It's like, don't wear that shirt to church. I mean, come on, really, dude, you know, read your shirt before you come to church, right? Uh, and I'm not, I'm not evaluating, oh, what am I going to show? I don't care, you know, uh, but... Um, I'm not the shirt police either, right? Uh, and so uh, there are so many more important things in the word, amen? But it is important, if you're going to be a leader in the, in the church, it's really important for people to see your life, amen? Don't just be in the pulpit and run, and I don't want anybody to see my life. 
you know, people could see my life and they can disagree with what I say or do. That's fine. And you could tell me that they disagree with it and that's fine. Uh, but again, if you don't have book, chapter and verse for why you're disagreeing with me, then it's just religion and I don't really care. Uh, if there's something that, that, that you sincerely believe that I'm in error about, then let me know. That's fine. I don't have a problem with it. Uh, but, um, you know, I had somebody spend 15 minutes telling me why I shouldn't wear a tie to church. I don't have time for that. You know, I mean, just get over it. You don't like me wearing a tie? Get over it. Uh, it's just, uh, <clears throat> uh, well, you know, we, people don't wear ties in church anymore. I do. So I'm people. Amen. And have ever required anybody coming in and checking your tie? You know, you got a tie on today? Oh, you can't come to church. Uh, I have never done that, never will, don't even care, right? Uh, uh, and so uh, it's just, uh, we spend so much wasted energy on things that are unimportant. Uh, but how I live is important. I should be an example of the body of, of the Lord Jesus, amen? In, in word and deed, how I speak, you know, I shouldn't be telling dirty jokes when I get outside the church or, even, or in the church. I have been in church where people were telling dirty jokes, vulgar jokes, right? Not just a pig fell in a mud puddle kind of dirty jokes, but vulgar jokes that you wouldn't tell your mom. Uh, and uh, those are inappropriate, and those should, that should be obvious, right? Uh, and so live your life as an open life, amen? It's okay to do that, uh, and, uh, uh, because I don't care what people think of me, and I'm gonna, but I don't do it, I don't do things with the intention of offending people. I don't do it to stick my thumb in their eyeball, uh, but I'm also gonna live my life as best I see fit, uh, and, and I'm glad for you to see it, amen? Uh, and if we have a disagreement, then we can talk about it. We should be able to talk about it. Uh, but if you're going to separate me because I eat chocolate candy on Easter, you know, uh, just uh, uh, just su such a, a waste of, of uh, good energy there. Uh, and so, uh, so then he goes on, and, and he shifts gears a little bit then, uh, really in verse 10, uh, and really for most of the rest of the chapter, from verse 10 to verse 19, he starts talking about uh, provisions of the Lord, so both financial and other means as well. Uh, and so uh, the, the, it, it's really a good, uh, he's got a good balance here uh, in the book of Philippians here. So we'll start here in verse 10. And it says, But I rejoice in the Lord greatly that now at the last your care of me has flourished again, wherein you were also careful, but you lacked opportunity. Uh, and so, and he goes on talking about how they have provided for his ministry and helped him and assisted him in the ministry uh, financially and, and possibly other means, but, uh, but uh, surely in a financial way. Uh, and he says uh, that your care of me has flourished again. Uh, and that word flourish means like plants in the spring, how they spring up and, and increase in size uh, and volume. Uh, and uh, that's how their assistance to Paul had increased again. Uh, so it implies that there were other times in the past that they had provided for him, uh, and he was thankful for that. And really, the whole book of Philippians is a very positive book, uh, thanking these uh, people that are really part of his ministry, uh, and, and he's very uh, kind to them. And uh, There's not much correction in the book of Philippians. Mostly it's, it's thanking them for the things they do and just encouraging them to continue the course of their life. And he gets down to, having discussed all the other things, he gets down to, uh, their care for him and how that they had uh, assisted him financially in the ministry. Uh, and he, but he also said that uh, there was a gap in that, that they were uh, desired to help, but they lacked opportunity. Uh, and so, of course, you can think about uh, the problem they had uh, in the first century. Uh, how, how would you find somebody if you didn't know where they were? I mean, it'd be nearly impossible, right? I mean, as soon as you can't see them, or they could be literally anywhere, 
and you wouldn't know, right? You can't call them, you can't email them, you can't text them, there's no smoke signals. I mean, there's, there's just, uh, you know, the communications back in the first century and for most of the history, right, of mankind uh, was really difficult. If you, if you were out of sight, you could just never meet that person again for the rest of your life and never, never know where they are and, or anything. And so uh, no doubt that uh, that, that happened on occasion. Uh, but he also later on talks about how they, they assisted him when he was at other places. So they did find him when he was at other places and then assisted him uh, w- uh, while he was there. And of course, he's, he's writing this book from jail. And just like today, people can assist people even if they're in jail. Uh, and, uh, and so they did that. Uh, Paul ha- uh, did that. Uh, they did that for Paul's benefit. And so notice that they lacked opportunity, but th- they didn't lack the resources to do it, right? So they had the resources, uh, the financial resources to assist Paul. And primarily, if, when we, as we go through this, we'll see that he was primarily talking about their financial assistance to the ministry. Uh, but, you know, if you look at the whole book of Philippians, that's not all they provided for him, right? He has a very uh, loving relationship with the church there. Uh, and so uh, no doubt they provided for him other, other ways and other resources other than just financial. But he's kind of covering the financial assistance uh, here uh, and, and thanking them for that, right? He said, I rejoiced in the Lord greatly that now at the last year care of me has flourished again. Uh, and so he's, he's thankful for that. And we'll, we'll see uh, as he goes along that he's really got the right balance here. Uh, you know, in, in the ministry, in the history of, of ministry, and I think it's been more so uh, maybe even uh, in the last century that this has been an issue, but this has probably been an issue uh, as long as there's been people in the ministry that uh, financial shenanigans and improper use of finances and imp- improper uh, desire for finances has been an issue in the church probably forever. I think it, it really picked up, um, uh, picked up uh, in the air uh, really in the last century there. And I've been all over the world uh, and uh, this is a problem in every church, right? Or not every church, but in every country, right? Uh, every church isn't this way. Uh, but uh, but uh, it's rare that you go somewhere where there's not somebody, uh, you know, trying to get an extra dollar out of your pocket, right? From the pulpit. Uh, and, and it's really inappropriate. Uh, and so Paul does cover, you know, he doesn't really cover the error here. He does cover that error in other, in other uh, uh, epistles here. Mostly he's being thankful uh, to, uh, to the church. But there, uh, uh, and, well, we'll just keep on reading because uh, we will talk about some of the errors that uh, Paul addresses in other, other ministries or other writings here. Uh, but he says in verse 4, he says, Not that I speak in respect of want, for I have learned at whatsoever state I am therewith to be content. And I think this is one of the greatest uh, verses uh, to settle the hearts of, of people uh, is this verse right here. Uh, I have learned in whatever state I am therewith to be content. Uh, and uh, the word content, the, the definition I like the most is independent of external circumstances. I am content. Uh, and so uh, if things are good on the outside, I'm good. If things are bad on the outside, I'm still good, right? So you can be content regardless of what you see and observe on the outside. You can be content on the inside. And, and if we could find that contentment, then we wouldn't be so driven for for money, or for position, or title, or, or recognition, we would be content where we're at. Amen? Uh, and so the contentment is valuable in everything. In fact, we'll, we'll see what Paul says other, other places here. Uh, but uh, in, in, the, in the financial matters, Paul said, not that I speak in respect of want. Uh, one translation says, I'm not saying this because I'm in need. 
after I've learned to be, uh, to be very self-sufficient. Uh, he said, one translation says, not that as to deficiency I speak, for I've learned in, in what I am to be self-sufficient. Uh, and, and finally, the Amplified says, not that, I speak from, not that I speak from any personal need, for I've learned to be content and self-sufficient through Christ, satisfied to the point where I'm not disturbed or uneasy regard, regardless of my circumstances. Uh, and so he's really not even saying that, that hey, I have a need, uh, please, please send me money. Uh, and, and the church has gotten really way out of balance in that, you know, in the last century, and, and hopefully we've gotten uh, 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 found some balance in that. But how many crying preachers, if you see it on TV, that if you don't send me a dollar, we're going to go under, right? Uh, and, and, and that is not, uh, in every circumstance, I have learned therewith to be content. Uh, that, that is manipulation, right? Uh, and, and really... You know, the, the, the mindset of faith that every church and every leader of every ministry needs to have is that my source is the Lord. My source, the source for this church is not the people sitting in this church. The source for this church is the Lord Jesus. Amen? And, and, and my desire is that the Lord Jesus uh, prospers you all so that this church can prosper from your prosperity. But, you know, if I walk into a new church and they're all stingy buzzards, right, uh, the Lord would still provide if he called me to that church. He would somehow, outside of that ministry, bring in the finances that I would need to, to, to survive uh, in order for me to stay there long enough to help the people, right? Now, we don't have that problem here. We, th- this church has always been profitable in a sense of not being uh, in a debt that we can't, uh, we can't sustain uh, as long as we've been a ministry. And we will continue that way because my faith is always in the Lord. Amen? I have, it's not that I have distrust or no faith in people, my faith is in the Lord. Amen. And so I'm thankful to that. I believe God for you all that, that you prosper and increase. Uh, and I believe many of you have, right? Uh, and we have seen it over the years as your giving increases. Uh, and we just, we observe that, right? We're not trying to keep track of it. And we don't need your mother's maiden name or your favorite high school teacher or anything like that. Uh, but we can see that and we're thankful for that. Uh, so Paul said, in whatever state I am, there would be content. Now, uh, you know, there is doctrine going around that that, uh, you know, if you're in the perfect will of God, you'll never see any lack in your life. And I don't know that that's really uh, an accurate statement. I think what we'll find here uh, in all of these writings, because he, he talks about it really at the end of that, but my God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Uh, and generally what we'll find is your average Christian should have all of their needs met. But also, whatever you're called to do, the Lord may put you in a position that where people need help that they don't have the ability to, to sustain you and that there may be a, a need or, or a lack or a want in your life because uh, he talks about that here for a season, right? But it's not God's will that you suffer or that you're in need, but sometimes he needs you to go into a situation that there's just there's nothing there, right? And, and that you will have to, by faith, obtain these things. And so, uh, and so we'll continue here. We're not trying to make a doctrine of poverty because there, is, there are plenty of people in the church who say, well, you shouldn't have anything. Well, I don't believe that's so at all. Amen. Uh, I think we have the right to believe God because the, there are plenty of promises in the Word of God that says these things, uh, that we can have a full and abundant life uh, fi- uh, physically uh, and financially in this earth. But in times and seasons, if the Lord calls you to certain places, you know, there may be a lack until you get people up to speed uh, in that. Now, it's not going to be a lack of your, your near death. Amen. Uh, but 
you know, uh, you may be able to have a boat today, but tomorrow you can't have a boat, you know. Uh, is that prosperity? I don't know, you know. If, and if you don't want a boat, the only thing better than having a boat is what? Someone else to have a boat, right? Yeah, that's a better, it's the same thing with having a pool, right? The only thing better than having your own pool? No, someone else has a pool, right? Uh, and so, uh, so he said, in, in this case, he's saying, look, it's not because uh, I'm trying to pressure you into giving because I'm in need. He said, uh, because I'm fine. And really, that's the, if every minister would have that attitude, I'm fine, then you could just say, hey, you know, here's an opportunity to give. What if they don't give? That's not on me, right? And my attitude is uh, we give everybody an opportunity to give every service. I think it's fine, right? The scripture bears that out, that the workman is worthy of his wages. Uh, and so it's, it's fine. Uh, now, some people even get upset at the church because we receive an offering. Now, around here, we only receive offerings, right? We don't take up offerings. Uh, and, I, and for me personally, that's, that's, a, uh, that's a bit of a, of a touchy point because I don't take anything. If you want to give, I will receive, amen? And if you don't want to give, then I will receive from the Lord, amen? Uh, and so, but uh, it's perfectly fine to give everybody an opportunity to give as they want to. Uh, and, and if I just leave it at that, and sometimes we will say, hey, we've got a certain need, like we put up those little uh, images sometimes of, hey, we're trying to pay the debt off for something that we bought uh, or that we need to buy a piece of equipment and here's the cost of that. There's nothing wrong with that as long as I'm not trying to manipulate you. Well, if we don't get this equipment, we're going to go under. Well, if you don't, if you don't increase your giving, you know, this church is going to go under. Well, that becomes a manipulation. That becomes error, amen? Because I need, as a minister, I've got to be content. What if they give? I'm good. What if they don't give? No, I'm still good, right? Uh, and and so I, that's where Paul is. He said, in no matter what state I'm in, I am content. Amen. And I told you about a, a pastor one time that was t- talking about his church, that he was going to leave his church and go start another church somewhere else. Just leave the, abandon the church as a pastor uh, and go to uh, start another whole church. Uh, and he gave me several reasons, but one of them was they won't give. Well, he was not content. What if they never give? Are you called to be there? Well, then you're called to be there. Amen. And then what you've got to do is, is you've got to train them and teach them. It's, it's good to give. It's helpful to give. It's important to give. Uh, and so, uh, so my, my responsibility, because Paul said, I am content. And so he's saying as a minister uh, receiving assistance from other people, uh, he's content. So there was a time, remember he said in the previous verse, that uh, there was a time when you uh, were not able to give because you lacked the opportunity. You didn't know where I was. You didn't know how to get the money to me, the assistance to me. And so you had the resources, but you weren't able to give. Uh, and, but was he content even there in that time? He was. Uh, and so, uh, and you know, we could go on and on about this. And there's so many uh, uh, embarrassing stories of the ministry. Uh, Brother Hagen had a, uh, in 1999, uh, the Lord instructed him that uh, the church was way out of balance in the area of finances. Uh, and, and that's really an understatement, amen? Now, and look, uh, uh, there was a time when, when um, uh, if you remember back in the 80s, uh, back before cell phones were really a thing, I mean, they were invented in the, in the, maybe in the 60s even, uh, but I know in the 70s, uh, but they weren't really in widespread use until really the mid-90s, you know, end of the end of 90s into the early 2000s. Um, and so before that, everybody called with long-distance calls, Right. I mean, when Chris and I were dating, it was long-distance calls. So if you call up to 9 o'clock, it was cheap, right? If you call up to 3 a.m., it's really cheap, all right? So you call it through, oh, you know, hey, I'm calling you, I'm cheap, right? And some of those commercials would be online, right? Oh, you know, and, the, and, and so, 
So the, the, uh, they started running fiber optic uh, circuits in, in the U.S., and then other companies came up with these phone cards. Remember the phone cards? So the way the phone cards worked, if I want to call Chris, I would dial this 800 number first, and then, then I would dial her number, and it would go through their network, and so it was cheaper. Uh, and and so, so what they figured out is, is this is an opportunity for multi-level marketing. And so we can say, hey, if, if you'll sell these phone cards, you know, you'll make so much money. But if you get all your buddies to sell these cards, you'll make a cut of their profit. And then, you know, you can also sell cards and then you'll, come, uh, you'll do better. And if they can get their friends, then you're still in the, the pyramid. You know, they get their friends, uh, they get a cut, and then their cut, part of the cut goes to you. And so the, the, the multi-level, the more levels you've got, the more money you make. And they, they thought, you know, the best multi-level marketing group in the world? The church, right? We'll get the church. And so, and so who's the head of the church? The pastors. So we'll go to the pastors, say, pastors, if you, get, if, you, if you start selling these cards and get everybody in your church selling these cards, you'll be a millionaire. You, you'll get all kinds of money. And you know what? Pastor said, where do I sign? All over the country, where do I sign up? And big churches, small churches, we're doing this thing. Uh, and really, it's just, it's so improper. I mean, just, I just, it just, everything in me just, just cringes at the thought of, of getting you to go work on my behalf and give me some of your money. I mean, you know, I know you give to the church, but you're not giving, you're not giving to me directly, you're giving to the church, right? Uh, and you can give to me directly, it's fine. As an offering, that's fine. But, but to coerce you as to be my employee because you're a captive audience and, and because you love the pastor, you want to help him, it's just, it's just so many, it's just everything in me just, just like nails on a chalkboard, right? Uh, and so the Lord Jesus spoke to, to Dr. Dufresne. Dr. Dufresne, you go correct that. And Dr. Dufresne's like, I'd rather do anything except, except do that. You know why? Because when you start correcting the church related to finances, you are persona non grata. He said, Lord, if I do that, they'll stop calling. And you know what they did? They stopped calling, right? Uh, and he said, oh, I thought I was your source. Are they your source? Mm-hmm. Oh, sorry, I ever said anything, Lord, right? I mean, you know, he, he did straighten up. But still, you know, oftentimes the Lord will use the apostle and prophet's ministry to correct things like that. It gets into the church. Uh, and, and people think, well, if I'm making all this money, it must be good. But see, you know, uh, from the church's perspective, now, you know, I do, I do things outside the church, right? I, uh, uh, for many years, I, I worked outside the church, right? Earned my own income. Uh, but when it comes to inside the church, my only income from the church should be because I'm a minister, not because I'm getting you to work on my behalf. Amen. Uh, and, and you have to keep those worlds separate, right? Paul worked, you know, he was a tent maker, uh, and he did, he did make money on the side. In fact, many times he'd said, look, I'm, I'm not going to receive an offering uh, just to be a blessing to you. I'm going to, uh, to just earn my own money. Uh, and people have said, well, he was wrong in doing that. I, yeah, I don't have any problem with him wrong, uh, wrong with doing that. Uh, and for me personally, you know, I've been a pastor now f- uh, for 15 years, and I've never really received a, a salary. You know, we do receive a housing allowance. Uh, and um, uh, only because, uh, you know, I make my own money on the, on the outside of the church. And, and I am reducing that as time goes on. I'm reducing that more and more and I'm spending more time in the church uh, because I need to spend more time in the church. Um, and it, and it, there's no, there's, I'm not mad about it. It's just, you know, when we first started the church, you know, you only got a few people there. Uh, you know, you uh, you can't just quit your job. And now we did believe God. I did quit my job actually in that. And the Lord provided other means to provide income for us. Uh, and so, but you got to find your own path. That's, that's all really I'm saying. You find your path that works for you and you do that and you do it without, 
uh, you do that without any, um, any judgment from outside. You know, I'm thankful that Paul was a tent maker because there are some ministers, well, if you're not full-time, then you're not really a minister. Well, then Paul wasn't full-time, and so I guess he was an invalid uh, minister, right, unqualified. Uh, and you can see, obviously, from his writing, he was terribly unqualified to be a minister, right? Uh, and so, but there's a lot of things uh, in, related, in relation to that. So uh, Dr. Dufresne did go and correct the churches and started getting that out of the church, and many of the churches quit calling him because of that. But it was, it was, it was ungodly, right? It was, it was against the will of God. We don't shear the sheep, right? Uh, that, that's what we call, we don't, uh, one minister called it uh, merchandising the anointing, right? Basically selling my position. I'm not for sale, amen? Uh, and so, so we got to find that balance there, amen? We got to find the balance of, of how we do things. And so Brother Hagan, uh, he called a meeting. He, he called up a dozen or so of the biggest names in, the, in, the, in our circles, right? If I named all of them, you would know all those names pretty much, and maybe one or two you wouldn't know, but, you, but for the most part, you would know all these names. He said, come to Mecca, right? Or, or actually, it was Tulsa, Oklahoma at that time. Um, and, and uh, you know, it's kind of the ground zero for the faith movement, right? Uh, Tulsa, uh, and it still is in many ways, uh, but uh, the Lord has, has uh, given me some instructions that I need to get some balance into the church in this area. And some of the ministers said, no, I will not come. Because they were, uh, in fact, the, the one in particular I know didn't come. He was really way out there in money. I mean, he was just, uh, he was just, uh, uh, you know, it was just, I don't know. You know, it, it's, uh, without getting in the judgment, you know, uh, it, it would be hard to explain uh, how he did it. But, it, but I've been in, in, in uh, several of his services, and it was, it was uh, significantly about money, right? Uh, money, money, money. And it was... You know, I, I, look, I don't care what you have. I don't care the things you own. doesn't matter. But I do have a problem when you start uh, being, uh, start bragging about the things that you've got, right? Uh, and, uh, you know, I was with some minister there talking about their $250,000 car or maybe $300,000 car that they drove. And I just, you know, how does that make the guy that's, that's got a beater running around, it's got to change the oil every day? Uh, you know, that, uh, that's so far from where he's at that it puts a lot of people under pressure, you know, and, and uh, look, I got no problem with you having things, but we got to be, uh, uh, Brother Hagan called an ostentatious lifestyle, where it's, it's, the goal is whoever dies with the most toys wins, and I've got to prove to you my spirituality by the things that I own, uh, and uh, where's that line? I, there's no line, right, but we all know it when we hear it, right, and, and it, to me, it's distasteful when you talk about driving a Bentley. You, know, you got a Bentley? I don't care. Have a Bentley. It doesn't matter. The Lord doesn't care, right? I don't care. But, uh, you know, when, when you're kind of uh, bragging about it, uh, it belittles the people that are giving you the, the $10 a month, right? That their faith is not good enough. Uh, and so, is there a balance? There's a balance in these things, amen? Uh, and, and look, you, uh, I drive what I drive, and, and I'm not going to be... Uh, ashamed or embarrassed by what I drive, but I'm not going to brag about, well, I drive this fancy car, and if you don't, you're not nearly as much faith as I am. Uh, and so uh, where, where's the line? Again, there's no line there. But he did call a meeting, uh, and, uh, and then he recorded the whole thing. And somehow people broke into Fort Knox and got copies of, of these meetings, and I've got a copy of them. There's like five, uh, there five messages, or there were five CDs long, so it was at least five hours, um, 80 minutes per CD, so whatever, 80 minutes times, uh, it's 400 minutes, in case you're wondering, right, uh, of content. Uh, and, and I've listened to it several times 
The thing that amazes me the most is Brother Hagin called this meeting, and this was in 1999. He passed away in 2003, so by this time, he'd been in ministry nearly 70 years. And if somebody's been in ministry for 70 years and they call me uh, to come to see them, that the Lord has given them a message to the church that he wants to disseminate through these ministers, I would go and duct tape my mouth. I would go and not say, why would I say anything? The Lord has given him a message, and he called me to, to give it to him. And he's called me of 12, one of 12 out of the entire country. I've got nothing to say. People talked for, I mean, it's like they went on and on, talking about their story. Oh, yeah, Brother Hagin, we remember one time, blah, blah, blah. That's great. Be quiet. But they didn't, they weren't quiet, you know. And I'm like, why, why, you know, why are you even talking at all? And Brother Hagin had, he had things he needed to get across to them. And you could tell, you know, Brother Hagin was, the, if he started talking, he'd just do this right here. He wouldn't get mad and say, hey, I'm talking. He'd just let you talk. And if you took, talked the entire time, he wouldn't say a thing. He'd just sit there and wait. Now, I, don't, I don't know if I got that personality or not. You know, I'd be like, shut up. You know, I, I've got things to say, right? Uh, and uh, I know we're different in personalities just a, a little bit there, but that was his person. And I'm not saying he was wrong in that. It's just who he was, right? He was under no pressure. Uh, you want to come and hear what the Lord has to say? Then he would tell you. If you want to do all the talking, he'd let you do all the talking. It's just the kind of man he was. Yeah, and I appreciate that. But they were just went on and droned on and on about all these stories. And, oh, yeah, we've seen all these things too, Brother Hagin. Yeah, we know. It's like, well, I mean, whatever, right? And, and then many of them said uh, toward the end of it, Brother Hagin, everything you've said, we agree 100%, 100% what you said. Because he would say said things like, you know, I believe that the tithe, the 10% of your giving belongs to the local church. And that if you want to give beyond that, because the Bible talks about tithing and giving, right? Offerings, uh, tithes and offerings, if you want to give beyond that to your local church, that's fine. If you want to give beyond that to other ministries, he said, that's fine. He said, but I believe that the tithe, because it's your storehouse, right, where you get your primary uh, feeding from, should go to your local church. And all oh, we agree 100%. And I agree with that, too. I think it makes the most sense, right? Uh, and so, and if you look at the history of the tithing, why, why God instituted the tithe with the, with the Levites, you know, you know, there was 12 tribes, right? But, uh, and when they went to the promised land, 11 tribes got land, but one tribe, the tribe of Levi, got no land. They were the ministers of God, right? They ministered uh, the song, and they ministered uh, in the, in the uh, uh, sacrifices. Uh, and then out of the Levite tribe came the high priest who ministered the, the, the yearly uh, day of atonement. Uh, and so uh, they were the ministers. They were to be provided for by the tithe. So the rest of the nation of Israel would, would earn income, right? Uh, they would grow food and crops and, and animals and, and a tenth of their crops and a tenth of their animals they would bring to the Levites. And they would do other things with tithe too. Uh, but uh, part of the tithe went to the Levites and it was to feed them. Well, I mean, the pastor should be able to eat, right? And the tithe really uh, is primarily intended to provide for the ministers. Uh, now, that, there's nothing wrong with that, right? Uh, and, and, but people get all bent out of shape about this. Uh, and if you want to, uh, I know on Sunday morning we said that, you know, I was, uh, I was uh, walking through a landmine teaching about judgment. The only other landmine that I know of in the, in the Word of God is teaching about money, right? And so we're, we're going to cover all the landmines every day of the week, right? And somehow in healing school we'll cover up some other landmine too. We'll figure it out, right? Uh, and so, uh, but these things should not be uh, a landmine, right? They shouldn't be difficult to teach. But people get really touchy for some reason when it comes about money. Uh, and from my perspective, I tell you, uh, my goal is to tell you what the Word of God says, and then you do whatever you want to. Uh, I'll, I will never get upset if somebody gives too much. 
I'll never get upset if somebody gives zero, right? And we've had people, we've had both extremes, right? People uh, in our ministry have been very generous, and we have people that come for years and not even put a penny in the ministry, right? Not a penny. Uh, and, you know, I don't know how they sleep at night. But I just couldn't do that, right? Uh, you know, somebody was, uh, I did something for somebody just recently, and they said, well, how much do I owe you? I said, you, if I told you, you can afford it, right? You, you can't afford what I'm worth. Uh, amen? And, you know, and I don't say, I mean, it sounds like I'm bragging, but, uh, you know, you really can't pay me what I'm worth. Amen? Uh, you know, when I left as, as an engineer, I was making six figures as an engineer, and, and I'm not making that in a ministry. Uh, you know, I have given a lot for the ministry. I'm, I'm not saying that because you owe me anything. I don't feel like you owe me anything. I don't feel like, you know, oh, I, I just... Uh, I just can't ever think that you could give too much to the Lord. You think about healing school, right? We've taught healing school every Sunday since, since 2015. Uh, and uh, if you came to every single service of healing school, you would know, learn something about healing. Well, how valuable would that be? What would you pay for that? Someone could t- tell you a guaranteed way to get out of sickness and disease and live free from sickness and d- disease all your life. How valuable that would that be? Well, you couldn't afford that, right? Because uh, some, some medications, it's $100,000 a pill. A pill, right? Uh, and... Could you afford that without insurance? Well, most people couldn't afford that without insurance. Well, how much would it, how valuable would it be if I could tell you how to get the same healing without any pills? Uh, and so, you know, so, and, and all of the gospel is that way, right? That's why we have to give it for, for free because you couldn't afford the value of it. That's really what I'm trying to say there is the value of what, what, what the word is and what we teach is more than you could ever give. Um, uh, and so... Uh, and I believe that, you know, I've always felt that way and, and uh, lived that way. And so, so uh, the, the folks there that said we agree with everything, the, the minute Brother Hagen died, I saw them, I saw them when, and watched them with my own eyes get on TV and say the exact opposite and say the tithe does not belong to the church, to the local church. If you want to give your tithe to, to a, uh, a traveling minister, then you can give your tithe to a traveling minister. They said uh, prior to Brother Hagin leaving the earth, Brother Hagin, we agree with you that the tithe belongs to the local church. And look, are we going to fight and split ways over that? I'm, I'm not, but, you know, you just think the tithe was just a practical means of supporting the ministry. Uh, and, and so, uh, you know, for your local church, you think about the local church. The people in the local church are primarily the ones that support the church, right? We don't get income from outside the church. You know, we do sell books and, and things like that, but that's not a primary source of income. Uh, and so... Uh, the primary source of income for the church is the people in the church. But the people that are traveling, uh, you know, it, 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 I know one minister, they said they've got 250,000 uh, partners in their ministry. Well, if every partner gave a dollar a month, that's a quarter million dollars a year, right? That, that's, uh, what's that, $3 million a year? Uh, so, you know, the scale of a traveling minister is a lot different than of, of a local church. And so that's why, you know, you, uh, from a practical perspective, it makes sense that the tithe would go to the local church and then offerings to other ministries. Am I going to fight you over that? I'm not going to fight you over that, right? You, uh, again, I, it's not my job to tell you what to do with your finances other than to give you an opportunity to give. Uh, and so, uh, but in this, uh, the, the whole attitude that Paul has, he really has a, a great attitude there. He said, I'm not speaking in respect of want, for I have learned in whatever state uh, I am, therewith to be content. I am free and independent of external circumstances. Uh, and, and that really, he's saying that that's what, how he lives, and that's how every minister should live. Amen. Uh, I, I was in a meeting one time. Uh, they had a guest minister, and uh, before the guest minister uh, got up, I said, "So and so, there was another minister there. So and so, why don't you come up and receive the offering?" 
And look, a lot of ministries do that, right? Uh, Dr. Dufresne would do that. Brother Randy does that sometimes, have other ministers come up and receive the offering. And so it's not unreasonable or unusual to see that. This fellow took an hour and a half to receive the offering. Like an hour and a half, you know, you've got to give and blah, blah, blah. And, you know, now he didn't do that, but some churches would, uh, would get up and say, Who, who's going to give $100? If you're going to give $100, stand up. Or who's going to give $200? Who's going to give $1,000, right? Uh, and um, I know some of, my, uh, some of my ministry friends were in some of those meetings. The rebellion would sit in, right? I ain't standing up for nothing, you know? <laughs> and, so, and I think that's perfectly fine, right? Because that's, that's unreasonable. We don't see any examples of that in the Word of God. Uh, and it's putting people under pressure, amen? It's trying to fleece people. Uh, and look, you want to give? That's great, amen? And look, uh, for me, if you give a dollar, man, I'm happy. I mean, I really am happy. If you give $100,000, you know, I'm just as happy. I'm not going to call you and, you know, say thank you. You know, now sometimes we've had people outside the ministry give us offerings, and I have, I have called them because they didn't have to do that. But, you know, people, in the, I'm not going to make a big deal of it because why, don't, why would I call the 100000 guy and not call the $1 guy? That, that to me, that's saying that the $100,000 guy is more valuable than the dollar guy. But we know from Jesus' teaching that the woman that gave the two mites was, gave more than all the other ones did. So unless I call everybody... Uh, then so I don't call anyone, amen, because uh, I'm thankful for it. We're, Chris and I are thankful for your giving, of course. We always are. Uh, and, of course, we, we uh, take care of the finances for the ministry. Uh, and, um, uh, and so we're always thankful for every, every dollar we get, every penny we get. We're not, we're not mad about it. Uh, we don't go, wow, well, come on, you know, really. Uh, and so, um, so uh, Paul was content. And so that's my responsibility. Uh, and so that, that one minister, after he got done receiving the offering, he sat down and said, okay, come on up, you know, uh, minister who was supposed to do the meeting, and, you know, uh, it's yours now. Well, it was like 9.30 at night, you know, when he got up to start. And, and I, he was so gracious, he got up and said, well, you know, appreciate y'all coming out, you know, the hour's late, uh, I'm going to be here tomorrow night. Why don't y'all come back tomorrow night, and, and uh, we'll, 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 we'll teach the word then. Uh, and he, he wasn't rude about it, he wasn't like, really? Now, after an hour and a half of exhausting receiving the offering, you're you know, giving me a pulpit now. Uh, again, you know, I don't know that, uh, I would say that Lester Summerall would have said something about it, right? Because he would have been like, dude, sit down, shut up. You know, it's you know, time to go on. Uh, Brother Hagin would have done, he would have just sat there the whole time. You know, just happy, you know, happy as a lark. And not mad about it, not steaming, right? And so I do appreciate that fellow having a great grace uh, in, in responding the way that he did. Because uh, not everybody would have that much grace, Amen. Uh, and so, so Paul, uh, uh, several of the other, where it talks about being content, uh, uh, several of the other uh, translations talk about being self-sufficient. Uh, and that's really what contentment is, is you're self-sufficient, not in and of your own strength and ability, but you know, no matter what circumstances I'm in, the Lord will provide. And so that makes you independent of the circumstances. And that's a, really a great way to be, is that if everybody gives, man, I'm, I'm happy. If nobody gives, man, I'm just as happy, right? I'm just as happy because uh, I'm content. Uh, and if, if ministry could learn that, they wouldn't get under so much pressure about finances. Amen? Uh, and so uh, th th there's always uh, times and seasons there. So we'll, we'll pick this up next week because there's some things that, uh, uh, about contentment, especially in relation to finances, that'll be helpful to see what the Word of God says. That's valuable to everybody. So not just the ministry, because Paul is saying that I'm, I, in the ministry, am content with whatever I have, and so therefore I'm not under pressure to demand uh, finances. 
but and really, you know, I was I was thinking about this. Uh, I've never really taught about finances as a specific topic in the church. We'll, we'll talk about that because Paul has a lot to say about it from uh, verse 11 down to verse 19. It's really all talking about financial giving and support of the ministry. And so if he talks about it, you know who else should talk about it? Then we should talk about it, right? Uh, and so, and we should do it in such a way that nobody's under any pressure, amen? Uh, because the number one uh, requirement to give is whatever the Spirit of God tells you to do, amen? Uh, and if he tells you to double up, then you double up. Uh, and so if he tells you to give whatever you normally give, then give whatever you normally give, amen? You should never be under pressure to, to give. Uh, and so I'll tell you this and we'll go. I was at one church one time and they received the offering. And, you know, I always believe when I'm, when I'm going to another church, uh, you know, Lord, what do you want me to give? And even, you know, Chris and I would talk about when we have guest ministers, you will give extra uh, for the guest minister. Uh, and, and so, uh, you know, Lord, I'll say I gave what I thought I was supposed to give. And they left, you know, and they came back in a few minutes and said, well, we didn't get enough money. We're going to receive a second offering, except they said they were going to take up a second offering. Uh, more power to them, right? That's awesome. Well, I didn't give any time the second time around because I already believed, you know, what the Lord told me to give the first time. So unless I was in rebellion or, uh, or out of the will of God, uh, you know, I, uh, then, then I would have had to give the second time. But I wasn't, you know. And so I thought, well, I gave what I was supposed to. And really, if everybody was, gave what was supposed to, that it's not my problem that they didn't receive enough, you know. Are they spending too much money? I don't know. And none of my business, right? I just, it, none of my business. All I had to do is, Lord, what do you want me to do? And he said, do this. Okay, then that's what I do. Well, well, you were wrong. Okay, then, then maybe I'm wrong. I don't know, but I'm not going to change because uh, that's what the Lord told me to do. Uh, and so anyway, it's, uh, uh, were they wrong in doing that? None of my business, right? None, I'd leave it alone. Uh, if they want to do that all day long, it's none of my business, amen? Uh, and so, uh, but praise God. Let's, let's pray and thank the Lord for his word today. So Father, we do thank you for the word. And Father, we thank you that contentment and being uh, uh, set free and independent of all of our circumstances is, is such a valuable uh, attitude to arrive at in our lives, Father. And so we thank you that you'll help us by grace to get there, that we are completely independent of the circumstances around us and living our lives full of contentment. And so, Father, we thank you for that, and we give you all the praise and the honor for it, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Uh, all right, well, it seems like a good time to receive an offering now, right, after all of that. <laughs> you know, the very first service we had, we, we had the first service in our church was the first weekend of March of 2008. And the Lord specifically told we had a bunch of visitors, right? A bunch of our friends came and they were just going to support the, the starting of the ministry, right? And so that would be a great time to receive a great offering, right? The Lord said, don't receive an offering. Like, okay, no problem, right? You know, I wasn't like, Lord, but look at all these people here. We could get so much money. Uh, and, and, the Lord, and so I got up and said, man, I appreciate y'all coming out. The Lord said, don't receive an offering today. Uh, and I just left it at that. And some of them are like, I can't believe you did that. You could have you got so much money. It's like, you were such a thief, right? Could that, that, is that why I invited all those people there so I can get money out of their pocket? No. I mean, it's just, they're, they're, it's, people are so messed up, right? Uh, and, and so, uh, you know, in fact, uh, uh, come ahead, just Mr. Jared, receive your offering. Let's see if I've got, I've got my billfold here. Uh, I'm not going to give you any money on my billfold. I'm looking for something else, Jared. Um, <clears throat> Put, you put an offering for us, right? But here, it's a little, it's a little bit frazzled here, but here is, uh, here is uh, I think this is the first check I ever received for, for ministering, and I never cashed it, right? Uh, and, and, um, and I keep in my billfold to remind me, you know, that, uh, in fact, they called me, the church called me and said, hey, uh, you never cashed that check. I said, yep, I'm not going to either. Uh, and so, 
Uh, I don't know how it gets, how does it deteriorate like that? Uh, but anyway, I'll keep that. What's that? Oh, yeah, no, I want to be ratty. I want to be just, you know, dissolve into nothing but when I go home to be with the Lord. Uh, and so, anyway, but I do, I keep that just as a reminder to me that it's not about money. Amen? I could have cashed that check, you know, and, and uh, I probably could still cash it. It's still worth it. I'd, the, the people are like, it looks a little ragged, you know. Uh, what's all this tape on it? Well, anyway, uh, it's not about money. Amen? It should never be about money. Uh, but money is part of, the, part of the gospel, part of the ministry, and so you have to talk about it. Paul talked about it, so if he talked about it, we should talk about it. Amen. We'll be blessed. Uh, have a wonderful week, and uh, we'll see you all on Sunday.